Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac and get another for a dollar or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. They're taking our dollars and they're using it to economically empower their community when we could be doing that. So instead of being angry at them, we should be angry at ourselves. We should take responsibility. And so what we've done is we've organized black professionals on a national level to pool their capital. And we started a real estate fund and we started investing in real estate projects. And some of the requirements that we have for our operating partners, it's what we call the people that we invest with. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. <laughs> laughing because you guys have no clue what you are in for today. Oh my goodness. This man is a complete firecracker. And today's conversation with him was the toned down version. But regardless, the information that he shared, it was truly phenomenal. It really, at the heart of it, he might come off a little bit abrasive sometimes to people. He's not always delivering information in the most politically correct way, but it's all based in the foundational aspect that you need to be intentional about how you use your earned income and make sure you're not just spending that to keep up with the Joneses. Make sure you're investing it to, for passive income. And that ultimately is the entire background and foundation of this show is make sure you have passive income and make sure you're building wealth. And because earning income is not always guaranteed, you may not always be physically able to do it. Your job may let you go, even if you wanted to keep it, you know, and if you don't have things in place already before things, before life happens to you, then you are definitely going to be, not definitely, but you potentially setting yourself up to just be out in the street or be out like without a hope and have no plan. Let's get the plans in place first, people. Okay, so who did we even talk to today? I'm talking already and he didn't even introduce the guy. His name is Thomas Lopez Pierre and he's a president and CEO of Black Lives Matter Real Estate Forum, LLC, which is a 
a group that you can join. You just have to reach out to him to find out more information about that. And he is also the fund manager for the Black Lives Matter Real Estate Fund. And that's fund number one. He does plan to grow it. And this is what we talked about in the conversation as well, too. It is a social impact private equity real estate fund. The fund raises capital from Black and Hispanic investors to deploy with Black and Hispanic real estate developers to build wealth and create jobs for Black and Hispanic people. He is very specific about who he wants to help and how he wants to help them. In addition, Thomas is a New York State licensed real estate broker. But for more information, you're going to visit the link. I have it in the show notes and you'll hear during the rest of the conversation. But come on, man, you do not. Oh, this he's a firecracker. You have been duly warned. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. Thank you for joining us again today. This is a show where we talk about strategies to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And today we have with us Mr. Thomas Lopez-Pierre. And I gave a high-level overview of like some of the things that he's been he's been doing, but you guys, I don't think you know the firestorm you are about to witness <laughs> or what, what this man has been up to and what he's been like the change and the impact that he's been creating in the community. It's fantastic. And I'm so glad I, I met him. So Thomas, let everybody know who you are and what you're doing. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be in the company of intelligent, strong, financially secure, wise women. I'm just honored to be in your presence and I look forward to learning much from you. No, we're having, we're having a great time shaking things up. A couple of weeks after George Floyd was killed about a year and a half ago, almost two years coming up in June, a group of professionals in New York launched a, a private equity social impact real estate fund to build wealth, create jobs for our community. It was our belief that George Floyd wasn't just killed because he was black, which, you know, that's the key factor, it, but he was killed because he was poor. The interesting thing about a lot of the black men that are getting killed by the police, they tend to have like real deep, strong, consistent, loyal relationships with the criminal justice system. And you don't see lawyers and doctors and, and wealthy people being shot by the police. It's always the, the less fortunate in our community. And if you look at other groups, our Jewish friends, our Asian friends, our Arab friends and our Indian friends, they tend to avoid issues with the police because they uh, participate in the capitalist system that is America. In New York City, where I'm based, the city of New York is 52% Black and Hispanic, but the city jail is 90% Black and Hispanic. So either Black people, it's just in our DNA. After I get off this call with you, I'm going to rob you because, you know, it's, it's what I do. And white folks in New York are just some of the most honest, God-fearing folk you could ever find in New York. Or I'm going to go with door number two which is white supremacy and economic inequality. White folks just have more choices. And so their children are less likely to engage in antisocial and criminal behavior. And we want to give our community those same choices. And we can start with the wealth that's in our community that's being sucked out by these outsiders that come into our community and they own the real estate, they own the businesses. And they're not evil people. They're just, well, the truth is many of them are evil people, but you know, the, the yeah, I, I mean, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, no, let's call a spade a spade, but you know, many of them are just, you know, hardworking, you know, immigrant small business owners that are feeding their family, 
but they're taking our dollars and they're using it to economically empower their community when we could be doing that. So instead of being angry at them, we should be angry at ourselves. We should take responsibility. And so what we've done is we've organized black professionals on a national level to pool their capital. And we started a real estate fund and we started investing in real estate projects. And some of the requirements that we have for our operating partners, it's what we call the people that we invest with. Because the joke is we don't, we don't invest in real estate. I remember this doctor invested $20,000 for us. We were on a Zoom call. And I was like, oh, we don't invest in real estate. He said, well, when can I get my money back? <laughs> I, said, I said, we don't invest in real estate. We invest in Black and Hispanic real estate developers. So if you're a Black and Hispanic real estate developer, a small developer, and you're looking for $100,000 equity capital infusion into your business, call us. So- the idea is, what do I know about what's going on in Philadelphia and Boston and D.C. and Baltimore? I don't know the market. I mean, granted, I'm a licensed real estate broker, but I know New York. And so what we want to do is profit from the expertise of these individuals. They have the institutional relationships. They have the best in class um, service providers, lawyers, plumbers, electricians, contractors. They know the buildings department, uh, local city councilmen. So we want to profit from those relationships. And so we want to be the, the, their, their bank, in effect, their private equity bank. Anytime they need equity capital for a deal, we want them to call us. And in America, less than 5% of Americans earn $100,000 a year. But in key cities like New York and L.A., Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, D.C., there are a significant number of Black professionals that earn six-figure incomes. And what we want to do is tap those individuals. We don't do charity. Like we give our investors 15% or more on their investment. And we believe that you can do well and do good at the same time. I mean, the crazy thing is you talk to these doctors and I love them. We have the largest group of investors that we have are medical doctors. And I love them. And they have all this education and they're making, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. But at the end of the day, they're just overpaid working slaves. Because if they stop working, all that education and income doesn't generate any for them. But then there's the white guy who owns a couple of commercial properties in Black neighborhoods. He's drinking margaritas on the beach, and his money is working for him like a slave and delivering passive income for him and his family. And so what I tell these doctors is that you got to take that earned income. See, this is New York. This is true New York. <laughs> I heard it. And, I was like, yeah, but definitely you're in New York. Yeah, yeah, this is true New York. And so you got to take that earned and, and turn that into passive income opportunities. And real estate is fundamentally one of the best ways of doing that. And so we've been really excited. We're going to be investing in this month alone, two projects, one in New York and one in Baltimore. So our goal is to raise a million dollars this year, invest in 10 properties and then take that track record of investing in 10 properties and a million dollars, delivering 15% plus returns to our investors, and then launch what we call a Reg A plus offering, where you can raise up to $75 million from unaccredited investors, basically the general public, people that don't make $200,000 or more a year. And so we're very excited about that because this is an opportunity to get the masses of our folk to invest as little as $5,000 in a real estate fund that is building wealth and creating jobs for people that look like us. Wow. Okay. That was everything because you hit on so many different points. You hit on mindset, you hit on the action that you're actually taking, like the whole 
take your earned income and let it earn passive. Because even if you're a high earner, you're making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. As soon as you stop working, you don't have that income. So what are you relying on? And if you're not investing that actively and intentionally now, then when life happens, which it inevitably does for everyone, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I don't know what it's going to look like for me. But when it does happen and, and you aren't able to continue on the same journey that you are now, or maybe you never plan to quit your job, but something happens where you have to step away, what do you have set up as, the, as your backup plan? What's going to take care of you and your family? And that's the whole entire point of this whole podcast is getting people to open up their minds and to think and to actually start getting this information and implementing it, not just listening to it. Oh, that sounds good. Oh yeah, I know they're right. But then you don't do anything with it. So this so will probably I, be for the end, but what, how, how can people get in with you and what you're doing? And especially if they're not a high earn, income earner yet, or if they are, they can, I guess, invest now, but if they're not, they have to wait for you to do your reg a, which I guess if you can explain a little bit more what that is, because um, the crowdfund, if people don't know what crowdfunding is, it's not just go fund me for donations. You can actually do equity crowd, crowdfunding where we earn a return, but yeah. How can people even get started? Like, how did you get started to even get to this point where you're you're thinking about offering these kind of options for our community and for people to invest? Well, the first thing we did is hire a securities lawyer to put together our private placement memorandum, which is our, our investment documents, our offering documents. If you want to be, a, if you want to manage a private equity fund, uh, then the first thing you're going to do is hire a, a good uh, securities lawyer. We hired um, two and they were both black, one black male and one black female. What I would say is, you know, visit our website at blmref.com, blmref.com. Send us your contact information and we can figure out together where you fit in and what we call the capital stack and in terms of what the guidelines are in terms of the different offerings that we have. And we will be doing an offering that pretty much anybody can invest in. And right now we're doing accredited investors, people that make $200,000 or more. But we want to be able to reach out to those because there are some exceptions. If you, let's say you only make $100,000 a year, but your grandmother left you a property and you're like, oh, then I can't invest. No, that's not true. You could be the operating partner. And so, you know, the, the rule doesn't apply to you. And so and we can help finding and we can invest with you and help you find the capital for that, for those, for those deals. You know, back on the financial planning aspect, what, what I would, I think the mistake that particularly Black people make, well, they, they are making, and it's really sad, is that they have this, this, they bought into this lie. There's two lies in America. One is that it's the lie they tell immigrants that just work hard and you'll be successful. That's a lie. I mean, imagine if you invited me over for dinner and you said, hey, Thomas, come on for dinner. I live on the 10th floor. Here's my address. I have three choices. I can take the elevator up to your apartment. I can take the staircase or I can climb from the, from the outside, you know, from the roof down with a, with a rope and climb into your window. Now, the smartest, easiest way would be to take the elevator. You know, working hard is stupid. You, you should work <laughs> smart. You know, this, it's, that. you know, the, the only time you work hard is like if me and you were in a taxi and, you know, the taxi got into an accident, turned over it, and I would push as hard as I could as hard as I could to open that door, because that's the smartest thing to do, which is to save our lives, because the car is going to explode. Yeah. But, you know, in America, you get paid for doing three jobs. 
This is what, I don't care what fancy title you had or not. You get paid pretty much, unless you have a trust fund, you get paid to do three jobs. You get paid to one, to dig the hole, two, to manage the hole, or three, because you own the hole. So you pick anything. Let's say you're, you know, you're, you work at a hospital. If you're a doctor, you're getting paid to manage the hole because you're taking care of the patients. That's the wealth center, the profit center. If you sweep the floors and clean after patients and have to clean them after they've used the bathroom, you're digging the hole. You're on the bottom. But if you're the shareholders that own the hospitals and you're on the beach having a margarita while the dividends are being paid to you, then you're the person that's getting paid because you own the hole. And so, you know, any industry from like restaurants, if you're the waitress, you're at the bottom, you know, you're, you know, but if you're the general manager, you're managing the hole. And if you own the restaurant, you're, you, you're getting paid because you own the hole. So people make the mistake. We don't live in an education society. I and mean, don't get me wrong. Education is important. I'm all for it. You know, I teach, I have three kids, 12 year old twin daughters and a 16 year old son. And I teach them to get an excellent education so that they can get earned income to then to convert into passive income. Because we don't live in an education society. This is the mistake that a lot of black women make. Because black women are some of the most educated folk in America. It, you know, they, we don't live in an education society. We live in a capitalist society. Meaning you could be a high school dropout as long as you own that property, you're gonna get paid rent on that property. They don't, the, the tenants don't pay you rent because you have a college degree. They pay you rent because your name is on the deed. And so you have, you have people that major in degrees that, don't, that aren't respected in the marketplace. And I hope I don't offend anybody, but you know, education, social work, government. You don't see a lot of Asians in education. You see Asians and my Jewish friends, they're in medicine, business, law, science, computer engineering, you know, engineering, electrical engineering. They're in the high growth, high pay industries, while black women are overwhelmingly in the low paid. And then because they're a woman, they get paid low anyway because of institutional sexism. And but you know where they don't get paid low is when they own a property and the tenant has to pay them rent. Doesn't make a difference if a man owns the property, if a woman owns the property, the market rate for that building is X, Y, Z, and they're going to pay it. And so I, I encourage folks to take their earned income and invest it in commercial real estate. Now, here's the thing. White folks don't own the real estate in Black neighborhoods because they love us. I, I hope there's no Black people that think that, because that's, <laughs> that's sad. I mean, you have to ask yourself, if, you know, and we live in a very racist country, and, you know, overwhelmingly, this country hates Black people. I mean, they, they hated us when we were slaves, and then when we stopped being slaves, they hated us even more because now we, we had little value to them. You know, Alexander, I forgot the professor, the, the woman who wrote the new Jim Crow, she has a great line in there that the black male is expendable. He's, his, his service is no longer needed. He's not on a plantation picking cotton anymore. You know, they don't know what to do with us. They can't send us back to Africa. So they'll just, you know, keep killing us until we're extinct. Like, the, you know, you know they, they, they want black people to be like American Indians, like barely around and dying from extinction and alcoholism and drugs. But there's so many of us here because they needed us to, to build this country, which is what we did, our labor, that they don't know what to do with us. That's America's problem. They don't know what to do with all these black people. They just don't know what to do with them. And they, they God forbid they give them justice. So they, they just incarcerate them, but they wish they could just kick them out of this country. And so what we need to do is what other groups have done in this country that have come into a country that is just built on the foundation of white supremacy. 
is, you know, avail ourselves of economic power. I just don't understand what, what the problem is with Black people that they don't want to work together. Like, I was I, just heard, about to ask that. I Why just, we're not doing it together and there's always an issue with these other well, communities we, work together and we can't seem to no, get no, it it's, together. It's, under, it's very understanding. It's, you know, it's a slave mentality, you know, particularly among Black Americans. I mean, because we got to separate Black people. We're not all equal. So Africans that come here, they come with intact families and they come with, with little to no slave mentality uh, diseases. Caribbeans are the same way. But Black Americans, oh my God, the slave mentality. They, you know, listen, no one is better than Black Americans. No one is better than Black Americans at making every other racial group rich. I mean, Black Americans are just expert at it. They, they buy Gucci, Mercedes Benz, liquor. You know, Black Americans have the lowest of any group of buying real estate, securities, starting businesses. Everybody in the Black community owns a business except for Black people. You know, and they, we're just so good at giving them our money and they suck that money out of our community and they put their people to work. And then our young men are left in a capitalist society where it's very materialism, looking what other people have saying, oh, I want that. And so they engage in antisocial criminal behavior. And that's why we see so many young black men who have no hope and no future. We have to give our people economic opportunity. And the way to do that is invest in businesses, real estate and securities and education. Okay. I, yeah, you, you touched on so much stuff there. And I actually, what I want to ask is I had this conversation with someone else that I interviewed on the show, but this was like after we were, we were recording and it was one of these, what is going on with people, especially black people, African-Americans not wanting to support other African-Americans or in their business ventures because they don't feel like the quality of that business is enough or the price is too high or whatever it is. What is it about our mindset that we don't want to support or we, we put other African-American or Black businesses under a microscope and we don't accept things that we would accept from business owners of other communities? And how well, can here, we change here's, here's that so that we actually can still support each other's business ventures? So here's the thing. Sometimes the price is too high. Sometimes black businesses to buy from a black business is too high. Let's say, you know, hair products, right? I'm not a woman, so I don't buy hair products, right? Or I guess men buy hair products, but I don't, I, I use shampoo and call it a day, right? But, you know, the Koreans, they control the manufacturing and distribution of black hair products. A black hair product store, if they don't have a connect with a Korean business, they'll never be able to compete against for price. So yes, if you're a black person, if you want to give your money for hair products, you're going to pay more with a black person because they don't have the supply chain uh, hookup. Because when these groups, they don't just buy one segment of the business, they get it from A to Z. They control distribution, manufacturing, marketing, advertising, yada, yada, yada. And so we need to do the same thing. Like you saw recently, I think like two years ago, two black banks, one in the East Coast, one in the West Coast, they merged. That's what has ended up happening is that Black people have to start merging their businesses so they can lower their costs so that Black people will do business with each other. Because I, listen, I'm pro-Black, but I don't advocate you spending more out of the pay for a Black person because that's, that's disposable income that's being taken out of your household. You know, if you have to hire a, a, a Black lawyer, hire a Black lawyer and pay the market rate. But, you know, don't pay more because that person is Black. 
You know, you have to hire a black architect or a black plumber, pay the market rate, but don't pay, you know, the difference if it is a 5% difference. But, you know, I'm not telling you go just give your money to a black person just because they're black. It's supply and demand. If you have a black plumber, what I say to uh, these black service providers that we use in real estate, I say, listen, we're going to start directing all our business to you. So we need you to lower your price by 10% because you're going to start making money on volume. Okay, guys, don't kill me, but I'm going to have to cut this episode short. This is too juicy and we need to do this in a part two. So stay tuned for the next episode that airs and you can hear the rest of our conversation. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today.